Hello, everyone, and welcome to a Sunday meeting presented by Prospero's International Ontological Center. Ontology is the study of being. It's a part of metaphysics, a branch of philosophy that looks at the very nature of things, their being, their cause or identity. Metaphysics dates all the way back to the time of the ancient Gr Greek philosopher Aristotle. Heather is a Prospero's High Watch mentor and an ontological artist and an art and special ed teacher. She's retired now. An ontological artist is anyone who draws out into expression their inner being through some form of creativity, painting, drawing, writing, singing, dancing, weaving, etc. The inner being connects us with our purpose and higher capacities. Our highest work of art is ourselves. Today she's going to be speaking on thinking as a sacred activity. And um, Payne once said, related to this, our scientific technological age is forcing us into a new philosophical era where we must think more deeply than ever before in order to survive and grow creatively. And on that note, I welcome Heather. Thank you, Ben. And it's so wonderful to see you all here. Thank you guys for coming. So here we sit, <clears throat> each of us on Zoom. I, I like Zoom for a number of reasons. I know it doesn't take the place of getting together in person, but let me just say this, think about it. You are in your personal space. I am in my personal space. And um, just take a moment to look around your personal space and just look and observe and just notice what's here. And I do believe that as you look around your personal space, you will admit that you made choices and decisions to bring the bookcase, to buy the book, to put the frame on the wall. That was your decision, your choice. The, the CDs, the, the, you, you've got the water bottle, you, you, you've got the table, the chair you're sitting in. So it's kind of a meditation to relax and feel gratitude for good decisions that you have made that help you in your world. That's step one. Step two, look around, observe the same space again and admit, hey, other human beings created the frame that I bought. Other human beings, somebody, I never even met them. They built this room that I'm in. Somebody built the table and the chair, not me. So take a moment and feel gratitude for other human beings that you'll probably never meet, but they help you 
Number three, as we sit here in our personal space, think about the decisions and choices. Where do these come from? They come from our mind. They are part of us. It is the mind today that we must learn more about, observe more, pay more attention to. So that kind of brings us up to our talk today. And let me get started. I'm going to share my screen. <clears throat> so let's see here. Um, good. Oh, this is not the one that I want to play. I want to play this one. Here's my picture. Okay. So the title of the talk today is thinking as a sacred activity. Um, and I just kind of want to say, yes, we have all been born into this world and we're educated by our parents and our teachers and life. We're educated to believe that we are material, physical, three-dimensional beings living in a three-dimensional material world. And, and this world, three-dimensional, appears to be outside and separate from us. Our parents and family members, uh, our neighbors, they appear to be separate from us. The trees, the animals, the little squirrels, the birds, they appear to be outside of us. Seldom do we question the appearances. Seldom do we stop and put our attention on the invisible realm of principles. This realm of principles is always ever present. I'll talk a little bit more about that as we get going as we kind of explore the word thinking. Okay, let me just say a couple of quotes. Eckhart Tolle, you've heard of him. Mm -hmm. He said this, thinking is only a small aspect of the consciousness that you are. So right there, we've got to open up even what we think about thinking. There's more than what we think. <laughs> Albert Einstein said, the world as we have created it is a process of our thinking. It cannot be changed without us changing our thinking. Now, I'm just going to say a quick little ha ha ha. I got a couple of ha ha ha's. We need that right now. The first ha 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 is I'm going to give you a percentage. 2% of the people of the world think. This is somebody told me this. I don't believe this. I think more people think. And then they said 8% of the people of the world think that they think. In other words, they're kind of wondering. Maybe they're curious. Is this all there is? You know, that kind of thing. And then it said 90% of the people on planet Earth would rather die than think. What do you think That's about that? No way. <laughs> I know. Well, anyways, so thinking has a lot of stuff about it. So here's a little joke. The logical path of thinking is you go from the problem to the solution. See, it's very, very easy. However, overthinkers, I don't know if any of us are overthinkers, 
But here's a little picture of what happens. They go squiggling in and out and around and then they miss the solution because they're just overthinking. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh my God. And then here's what does it take? Why does it take you so long to achieve anything? Here we have some issues. We have emotional baggage. And there's the void, whatever that is. We have overthinking, we have trust issues, we have anxiety. We've got a lot of issues around thinking. Let's do a few more. Here are the two guys sitting in the office. One says, are you concerned about the increase in artificial intelligence? And the other guy says, well, no, but I am concerned about the decrease in real intelligence. <laughs> All right. And the last one here is a cool thing because I t- teach drawing classes and everybody's got their own point of view. And here we have this little image that this guy on one side looks at it and he sees one, two, three, four beams And the other guy on the other side looks at the same thing, but no, from his point of view, he sees three. So there you go. I'll tell you what, we have a lot of variety in how we think about things. Now I wanna share a painting that I did in 1993. This is three foot. Beautiful. It's a three foot painting on the side here high and then it's six feet long. So it's a big one. And it kind of came out of a dream that I had. But here on this side is is a person wrapped up in life. And I'll look at this. It's a seal. A seal. It's a seal or a dolphin. Yeah. Okay. And then there's little sperm running around here because it's a creativity that we're living in a field of creativity. And here's the little creative snake that comes up here. I don't know. Well, anyway. This is all of us in our material world. Maybe we have our, 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 our stuff. And right over here is the wholeness, the principle of life. The principle of life is one whole, complete, total, uh, whatever. We don't pay enough attention to it. So we get wrapped up in our stuff. So this is kind of a call. I call it the call to wholeness. We all must listen to the deeper part of us. And I, I just, uh, I, I think uh, that might be a good way to kind of begin because now I wanna talk about problems that we have in the world that we must pay attention to. Yes. And this is, uh, I'm 75. I've been around here for quite a long time and I don't want to leave this planet and the time I have and have so many, many un solve problems like plastic. Now, one thing about plastic, they have just recently found that little bits of plastic are found in human blood. So that's unbelievable. Okay, so we must solve that problem. And then we have PFAS's chemicals, chemicals in the water. And that is a very big issue. And we must deal with that issue. Then we have our uh, climate change and um, CO2 levels are the highest in history. Uh, What is it going to take for us to wake up? Now, these are problems. Um, The final one is a big one too, is nuclear energy. Now, this is a photograph in California, north of San Diego, where we used to live, Cindy and I. 
This is the San Onofre nuclear generating plant and they had to shutter it, close it down. It's right on the Pacific Ocean. It stores 3.55 million pounds of radioactive fuel. And here is the current US Department of Energy Secretary, Jennifer Granholm. She came and visited in April to look at this. It's shut down. Um, what, where is all the nuclear waste stored? So she, they are creating a new, a, a, not a new policy. They're trying to say, we've, we're going to have to find cities around the country that will accept nuclear waste. We have 89 million tons of waste and we do not know how to get rid of it. Anyway, this is a problem, a problem. So <clears throat> I want you to agree, we need to think deeply about these problems. Now, I just want to tell you that I put in the chat box a link to a 15 minute video about Auspensky and Gurdjieff. And I watched this video and this video inspired me to create this talk. It's only 15 minutes. So if you go up to the chat box, I'd, you can copy the links and later look at it. Put, you know, copy the link and, and save it in a document. So here's what I wanna talk about today. Three different kinds of thinking, mechanical thinking, critical thinking, and straight thinking in the abstract. And I've got this picture here of a taxi. Now in the Ospensky video, he did not have a taxi because he lived in the early 1900s. And so he was using the same, same uh, different kinds of thinking, but he used a horse and buggy. So I'm gonna use a taxi because that's what we're living with. Okay, mechanical thinking is number one. What is, that is the taxi, that is the vehicle, the machine. The taxi is mechanical. Do you understand that? Oh, everybody, let's, uh, somebody's talking. So you, let's, uh, I don't know, Ben, can you make everybody mute? Go ahead and mute yourselves. And well, let's see, I think I can do that also. I don't know who's, whose little radio it is, yeah, I'm but going that's okay. Yeah, okay. muting everyone. Okay, thank you. Do that. So the taxi is a, is a machine and it represents mechanical thinking. Machines perform certain tasks they, and the machine does not question the task. It just does what it's told. Like your computer, you press the letter K and you get the letter K that prints out, okay? So it's uh, mach machine thinking, mechanical thinking is uh, also called binary. Things are separate. The keys on my computer are separate. And then we have this, the thinking of our lower self, our mechanical lower ego self says, I am a material being, I'm here. You are separate from me. That's you, me. Then there's male, female. Then there's left, right. And then there's above, below, rich and poor, right and wrong, warm and cool, dark and light. Mechanical thinking can be, at least in human beings and maybe animals, it's fear-based. Mechanical thinking does not know anything about the higher thinking. And now we have a very rapidly advancing 
technological world that we're living in with artificial intelligence and artificial intelligence goes one, zero, one, zero, one, zero. I don't really understand all that myself. I'm not a physicist, but it is <clears throat> part of what we call algorithms that employ mechanical thinking, the robotic kind of intelligence. The phones are machines are all this, machines can do wonderful things, but when it comes to thinking, mechanical thinking is very different from higher thinking. Think about this, your computer responds to your fingers. You press the letter K and you get it. But your computer is totally unaware of you, of how you love the tree outside your window. Or, or how you feel about the words you're typing to your friend. Computer doesn't know anything about that. Com machines cannot feel. Humans feel. We feel love, joy, anger, sadness. And we feel the rightness. Hmm, that's, that, that's good. And we feel wrong. No, 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 no. That, that's just not right. And that's where we learn and, and connect with the conscience. C-O-N-S-C-I-E-N-C-E, -E, conscience that is within us. And that is part of our inner being. Now, I will just point out something that I have uh, been having a book club and we get together and discuss a book called Self-Observation by Red Hawk. Let me just show you this for a minute. This book is fabulous. And it helps you to deal with your habits and your mechanical thinking, to become simply aware, simply to observe yourself. It's very powerful. And I am, I am welcome if you would be interested in joining a weekly discussion, one chapter a week. There are 20 chapters in this book. So if you are, you can email me and I will be glad to open this up for you. Okay, so now let's take a moment. Okay, good. I want to put some music on for two minutes and I want you to get a pen or pencil. And I want you simply to allow a stream of consciousness. You don't have to analyze and get the detail, but simply write or draw some words, or some lines that express where you observe yourself being mechanical. Okay, I'm gonna play music for two minutes. Okay, here we go, two minutes. Just write where you feel mechanical.
bring it down now. We're gonna stop the music for a little bit. That was great. And now we're going to go into the second kind of thinking. <clears throat> Critical thinking. Well, okay, now let's look. We see the taxi, the vehicle represents mechanical thinking. What is what part of the taxi represents critical thinking? Well, that would be the driver. The driver of the vehicle analyzes, evaluates, makes informed decisions, and exercises control over the machine. So critical thinking is at the heart of scientific inquiry. Critical thinking sees what appears to be separate other binary, left, right, bumpy, smooth, crowded road, empty road, whatever, sees all of it and focuses on the destination. Doesn't get into this or that. It, it focuses on where are we going? Now, science like critical thinking makes progress when it discovers information that contradicts its current understanding. This is a long-standing understanding what makes science. We have a very, if, if something is contradictory data, it's denied, labeled fake, conspiracy. You no longer have science if you have that going on where you cannot have any dialogue back and forth. That, you have no critical thinking, but you have this totalitarian rule. And I don't know if you are aware that President Biden had a um, ministry of truth that he wanted to set up starting May 1st, and he had to cancel it by May 18th because people said, wait a minute, that's un-American. It's an abuse of power. You can't just say, we know the truth. We are in charge. You do not think we are going to tell you. Anyways, we don't, we don't need that. Democracy is only possible when people Think for themselves. We all know that. We learned that in seventh grade. We must think for ourselves. And critical thinking is how we uncover the truth that lives beneath the mechanical thinking. So anyways, critical thinking is totally essential for today. Now, I, I you know, I grew up in the 50s as a young child, and I remember we got our TV maybe when I was 10 years old. We didn't have a TV before then, so I don't even know what it would be like, but we got our TV and I remember watching, uh, you know, whatever, uh, Mickey Mouse Club and stuff. But here was the typical day when I was younger in the 50s and 60s. In the morning, you would read the newspaper. And then in the evening around five o'clock, you would watch the news and that's it. Now today we're deluged with information 24 seven. We have social media, we have Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok. We have Fox News, MSNBC, CNN, ABC, whatever, whatever. I get two to 300 emails a day and delete most of them. Gosh, what a... What am I doing with all this? <laughs> Today, with the blizzard of information, it is easier to follow a narrative that aligns with your beliefs. It's easier to do that than to sit down 
and try to think critically for ourselves. It's, it's challenging. Now I am going to, I'm so excited about this that I have created like a five, a five <clears throat> hour class. I don't know, we'll see how it goes. It's going to start tomorrow and I'll give you the link to it. And we're going to go through mechanical thinking and we're going to go through critical thinking and I will explore Socrates and Aristotle in great depth in this class. Just think of it, 2,500 years ago, Socrates employed critical thinking as a way to question the opinions of the leaders. And he said something like this. He said, I know the leader. He, he typically is a he. He's a, a, a good, he's a smart guy. He's a good guy. But he doesn't know the truth maybe any better than the other guy or even than me. In fact, Socrates says nobody knows the truth totally. It's something we all have to search for. <clears throat> so anyways, in the chat box, I do have a link to um, this class. You're welcome to come. I'm not charging for it. I, I wanna learn from you. I wanna learn from the act of giving this class. I feel it's really important. So now <clears throat> I wanna take another two minutes. I'm gonna play music. And I want you to just let yourself draw lines or write words about your use of critical thinking or what you see in the world around you with critical thinking. How is it, how is it for you just to play with words or lines? Critical thinking. Okay, here comes the music and here we go. Critical thinking. you questioning things, curious? Thank you. 
good. <clears throat> Just to play with our own thoughts about critical thinking. So now let's explore straight thinking in the abstract. What is that? Straight thinking in the abstract. Um, now we're looking at the vehicle, the taxi. So the taxi, the, the, the physical material being, uh, not being, physical material machine represents mechanical thinking. The driver represents critical thinking. Now what in here could represent straight thinking in the abstract? Here it is. The passenger. The passenger pays a price to travel in this taxi and it is the passenger who determines the destination. Where is this vehicle going? It is higher thinking that determines where mechanical thinking goes. And when you think about your life and your life purpose, if you're all tied up with mechanical thinking, you're going in a million different directions. But if you can connect with straight thinking in the abstract, you will connect with a sense of your purpose. Now we all live in a material world where the realm of appearances, we have <laughs> you and me, and, and the tree over there and the wall over here, it's, a, it's binary when you have me, you, this, that, all this stuff. Profit, loss. I think our culture, the time of our culture is pretty strongly filled with profit or loss. Rich or poor, male or female, whatever. Republican or Democrat. Hard, soft, warm, cool. I had an insight just the other day thinking about this binary stuff and polarity. <clears throat> and you know, I thought when I am drawing and I love drawing, I could not do a drawing without the polarities of dark and light. And the artist in me really works the dark light relationship because how I do that will guide the viewer's eye around my painting. I need the polarity in order to create something. Say that you're a dancer. Say you love to dance, you're moving around. Dancers have polarities. They go forward, backward, they go around, they go forward, whatever. There's polarities in all kinds of creativity. Sculpting, painting, you need warm and cool colors. The orange and the red is the warm and the green and the blue is the cool. And you need to play with them both. So there's, there's a purpose for our sense of binary or polarity. <clears throat> but the beautiful thing about straight thinking in the abstract is a technique to connect us consciously with the realm of principles. The realm of principles. Uh, principle contains both polarities. It's a oneness. Think of the principle of health. When we get sick and everybody gets sick here and there, this kind of sick or that kind of sick, we do. But we can connect with our essential 
sense of health and wholeness. And there are, that is something we do with our thinking. And, um, okay, one other one to think about, a lot of times we don't hear and we don't think about principles. Think about the principle of gravity. Oh yeah, I, I'm sitting in this chair right now. And then if I stand up, I, I, I don't think about gravity, but I, I do okay. I stand up and I walk around. But the principle of gravity has to be something that I relate to or I would fall over. So it's an unconscious connection with the principles. But we need to maybe connect more consciously. Now, we are passengers on Spaceship Earth, as Bucky Fuller and Barbara Marks Hubbard talk about. We're passengers on Spaceship Earth, and we all have a duty to consciously engage in our inner being, our higher spiritual purpose. And the price that the passenger pays, every, everyone's a passenger, and to engage our higher spiritual self, we have to pay a price. We have to do some work on ourselves in order to guide our mechanical binary ego self. And that work is something that <clears throat> Thane Walker, who founded the Prospero School, which I met the school in 1970, and I've been using the tools that he created. Now, let me just share this on my picture here. Maybe I'm gonna stop sharing for a minute. I just wanna share a little something here. I want you to see this book. This book is says, I saw Hitler make black magic thing Walker. It's a little book. You can get it on. Um, you can get it on Amazon and different things. But it is a book about this man Thane when he was a young man, uh, and most of his life he was curious and interested in higher thinking. So he has, you know, lots of stories. But when he was middle aged. What was going on in Germany was intriguing him. What is going on with Hitler? So he joined the underground and he went over to Germany and he actually met Hitler. He's an American and he was able to find some things about Hitler that um, he felt was very significant. Now, also Thane ended up being put into a prison. And I don't know the full story on that, but the experience that he had in that prison and getting out of that prison and walking free after a lot of punishing experiences, but he had an opening that totally moved him into understanding something about principle and higher consciousness. And he created a class called translation, where you translate 
the apparent world you're living with, the problems in the world of appearances. You take the appearances and you translate through a critical thinking process. Uh, Socrates, Aristotle talked about axioms, self-evident truths. Anyway, the process, he's got two classes and I have benefited from these two classes greatly. One is translation, also called straight thinking in the abstract. And that is where you use the intellect to think critically using principles. And the other class is called releasing the hidden splendor. And that is using emotions to move through the mechanical stuff. So let me share my screen for a minute. Um, yeah, okay. Um, these two classes, I had put them into the chat box. If you, there's a class coming up next weekend with Hugh John Melanophy. He is actually here listening to the talk. Maybe we can give him a minute or two to say something. This is the link and it's in your, if you copied it, you can click it and you will, it'll take you to the website where um, this is Hugh John and this is where you'd sign up the class if you're brand new, $195. It's a, the weekend. It's the whole from 10 to 5, Saturday and Sunday. And then the other one is, let's see. I think I've got a, oh, wait a minute. Let's see. Now i got to get back out of this. Let's see here. Okay. I want to go over here. And then I would click this. And this is, this is going to be, uh, translation with Mara Pinnell, and she's here today too. So maybe I ought to give a minute to each of you guys, maybe, uh, let's see. Um, and I could, let's see, I've got to get myself together. I'm going to stop that one and stop that one for right now. I also want to say the class that I'm going to teach called Thinking as a Sacred Activity, um, I'm not charging, it's just a contribution if you want to. Um, it is going to be on Mondays for five Mondays, June 6th, June 13th, June 20th, 27th, and July 11th. And we will go into Plato, Socrates, Joseph Campbell, Gerald Hurd, Carl Jung, Thane Walker, and more. We'll really go into some... Uh, some of the things that are important. Um, now let's see. Okay, I am going to stop share and I'm going to give a final quote by, do you know Brene Brown? I love her, I think she's wonderful. Here's a simple little word, spirituality is recognizing and celebrating that we are inextricably connected by a power greater than all of us and that our connection to that power and to one another is grounded in love and compassion. And with that, I would like to close with the Lord's Prayer. Now, this is a Lord's Prayer that has what we have learned about the Lord's Prayer, and then Thane added a second line. So Ben, are you ready? 
Sure am. So okay. what's going to happen here is that I'm going to be reading the traditional um, text of the Lord's Prayer, and um, um, Heather will be reading the uh, transcendental interpretation of the Lord's Prayer that Thane created. All right. So here we go. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Our Father who art in the highest and the lowest, the first and the last. Thy name is on the heavens and the earth, for thou art all. Thy kingdom come. Thy kingdom, the sphere of thy rulership is within me, seeing which... I may enter into thy wholeness and thy perfection. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Thy will is the ruling power in the heavens and the earth. Thus, it is well with me and all people. Give us this day our daily bread. Thou art this day my inexhaustible supply, feeding me with living bread and clothing me with the raiment of thy righteousness. And forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Thou hast always given me thyself for myself and the power to transcend my nature in receiving thine. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Thou hast always set before me the task of accepting my divinity, whereby I am delivered from myself into thyself. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. For thine, mine, ours is the kingdom, the power that rules therein and the glory of our own creation. And so it is.